Well, good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and I hope you're doing well online, um, in your home, and wherever you might find this message. We are going to be in our last picture this morning that Mark is painting for us as we've journeyed through his gospel together. We're going to be in Mark chapter 16, so if you want to get your Bible handy or if you just want to read the words on the screen, I'm excited to share this final message with you as we have learned so much about the character of Jesus through this study in the Gospel of Mark. And our final picture here, I believe, will not disappoint us. So will you pray with me and we will read God's Word together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would be with us um, to show us you in the midst of this story and how this story comes to meet us in our own stories and to enliven us and to bring us um, energy and strength and renewal that can only come from you. And so I pray for those who are tired and weary and uncertain of the future that you would come um, and do your work in us to fill us up with you. Lord, we present now open hearts and open minds. Tell your truth. Give us your grace and move us more into knowledge and action of what you have presented in this gospel picture. In your precious and holy name we pray, amen. So Mark chapter 16, starting at verse 1, says this, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This morning, let's take a moment to reflect on expectations. In seasons of great difficulty, we have the temptation to change and alter what we would expect from each day and each moment and each, each experience in our lives. 
Can you imagine the expectations that these women had as they were headed to the tomb? It says that they were bringing burial spices and they were bringing linens in order to care for Jesus' dead body. But when they showed up where they expected death, they found life. I know it's been my temptation as well to change and alter my expectations for what can be accomplished in a season of pandemic. But our picture this morning confronts us with this startling, awe-inspiring gospel picture of an empty tomb and a resurrected Jesus And so what I want to do is to move through some of the most essential truths of the biblical story and move all the way into our gospel story to help us to really come to understand what is going on at the end of the gospel of Mark. So let's start at the beginning as we open the pages of our Bible, one of the ways I like to describe the opening pages of Genesis is that right off the bat, we discover the God of yes. This God at the beginning of creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together to speak a yes We see the divine, creative, emphatic yes. In the beginning, yes, light broke from the darkness. Land and space and sky, yes. Rainforest and glaciers and grand canyons, yes. Golden eagles and porcupines and gila monsters, yes. Living with a five-year-old, you get all kinds of odd trivia points that maybe you missed the first time uh, in kindergarten. And one of them this week, my son turned to me in the most randomest of moments, and he just said, Dad, did you know that ants can talk to each other? And I said, oh, really, son? That's interesting. I never heard that before. He said, yeah, they just talk in little tiny voices that we can't hear, but they can talk to each other. I said, wow, that's amazing. God, yes, even for the ants as they learn how to communicate to one another. Or the other day I was flipping through the television and ended up on one of those nature channels and my daughter happened to be sitting next to me who's two years old. Her name's Glory and she's watching these big blue whales create these epic splashes in the ocean and she was in awe of how big they were and how dinosaur-esque they were and yet they still live and are still making those splashes right now and so if it's a teeny tiny voice of an ant or this epic splash of the biggest animal on earth, the blue whale, God speaks that yes, an emphatic declarative yes at the beginning of all of creation. 
And then as we continue into the next chapter, chapter 2, we see that man is made with the same yes. The very image of God, in fact, is imprinted. The life force of God is given. The force of energy, the zoe life of God is breathed into some dirt and it creates man and woman. And so we see this picture of energy and life and restoration and flourishing. And if you're a parent or you've ever had the joy of watching a child being born amidst all of the birthing pain, amidst all of the cramps and challenges and differences in diet and grumpiness and and fears about the world and what may happen, it does not stop that core yes that drives the process of bringing a new life into the world. And then when that baby comes out, there is no other feeling but that feeling of yes. The same yes that was spoken at the beginning of creation is spoken as this miraculous child is being brought into the world. And we could think right now just how many babies are being born right in this moment. And we can feel the yes of God say, new creative life come into the world. And of course, if that was the end of the story, then we wouldn't need our gospel picture today because even in that idealistic paradise setting where, the gar- where they were in the garden, those first human beings were there and it functioned as a temple, really, where in this beautiful walled garden, there was no separation between God and those first humans And so they had full communion with him. In fact, they walked in the garden together and they enjoyed one another's company. And you can see there that human beings are adding their yes to God's yes in this paradise setting. We as human beings do this in all kinds of interesting ways. We add our yes to somebody else's yes. That's what a good high five is all about. That is what cheers means. That's what that extra head nod means. Head nod means if you're a parent and you're pushing your child in a stroller and they're asleep and you're trying to get your workout in anyways and you feel that perseverance creeping up in you and then you see another parent doing the exact same thing and you pass each other by and you look each other in the eye and you share this commonality in this moment of, yeah, I see you and I know what you are going through. You add your yes to their yes. Solidarity is shared. If you've ever seen bikers out there on the road, when they see each other, they always got some kind of salute, some kind of way of joining their yes to others' yeses. When we say hello to one another in some way, we are saying, I see you and I add my yes to your yes. When somebody does that, it creates joy. It feels like you're connected. And you see something in yourself that is resembled in that person. And so just think for a moment, if we're created in the image of God, then 
when we truly see the face of God, we will see things that resemble us. And so Adam and Eve had that with God as they walked in the garden. But if that was the end of the story, man, we would all be still back in Eden, but surely doesn't feel like Eden right now, correct? In fact, really what happened in the story is something that happens to us frequently, is that God gives his yes first, but we fall short and get frustrated and seek smaller perspective, more insular perspective, our own perspective, and we begin to choose our perspective over God's yes. And we start to get in the habit of saying, this yes is too much. And I'm curious over here about what happens if I say no to this yes and yes to something totally different. In the high drama of that garden scene with the serpent there and Ab and Eve, Their temptation was to eat from the knowledge of good and evil. This is a way of describing the foundational error that we all are victim to, which is to say no to God's yes. And in so doing, it describes what happens when we say no. This is where tears and agony and frustration and vague street-level ideologies that are fought about on the internet come to life and we begin to assume we're the sole purveyor of rightness and we begin to lose friends and family because now they're just a petty sparring partner on the internet instead of any form of connected web of relationship, and we see our relationships be reduced to just a hollow, cold shell of what they used to be, and we miss out on any yes and yes, and instead we find no's and half-truths and perspectives that are spun off into one's own vantage point and one's own self-interest. Peter also found himself in a moment of high crisis in a garden. There's so many biblical stories of characters that find themselves in high crisis in a garden and it's pivotal moments where there's decisions being made and Peter is told to stay awake and alert and to keep a team of the disciples awake and alert and to be praying and instead he falls asleep. He succumbs to his own weakness in the flesh. Then when he wakes up, he's half asleep. He wakes up probably really grumpy because here comes a legion that is going to take Jesus away. And he gets out his sword and he cuts the man's ear off. And even that, Jesus says, you still have no idea what this project is that I'm bringing into the world is truly all about. And so Peter is saying no again, no again, no again to God's yes 
repeated over and over and over and over again. And we could give Peter a little bit of a pass in the sense that we relate so much to him. That every morning when the sun rises, God says, yes, again. But there are days when we wake up, especially now with no end in sight to this pandemic, and we feel the no in our spirit. I do not want to be the bringer of life today. Today is an acknowledgement of death all around and frustration and confusion and no hope in sight. And so it becomes easy to trade in any hope of flourishing in exchange, we say no to God's yes, and we find ourselves destitute. You know, the, the way that we view and interpret the season that we're in is so determinative of how we will move out of this moment of great grief and suffering and difficulty and into whatever God would have for us. And not only that, that we can remember these women who went to a tomb expecting death and instead were met with the risen Christ, with the news of the risen Christ, and everything changed for them. Everything that they thought was, was no more, and they had something totally new to be a part of. And so as we wake up in the morning, if we wake up expecting death, if we wake up expecting that we are just atoms that will one day be food for worms with no real meaning to any of our efforts, the end result of that will be destitution. And even though we know cognitively that maybe that's not the best life choice, the pressures of our external experiences begin to creep in and confront the gospel message and to challenge the gospel message and to tempt us away from looking at God and to get us to look more towards our own opinion about what's really going on in our own personal experience and how can we celebrate resurrection when all around us there is death and suffering and sin. But in reality, when Jesus was put on the cross and he died, he was really just creating the roots underground that began to grow and were preparing a way for a second act of new creation, one that not only understood death but had transcended death and come through death. And so the yes had never left. That even when Jesus was on the cross 
And he was crying out in agony. What he was truly doing was looking on all of the ways we choose to say no to that yes. And he was saying, there's so much consequence because of that no. So much hurt, so much suffering, so much sorrow that I'm going to leave my place in heaven, join with all of humanity, and then I'm going to the place of total pain and destitution, and I am going to cry out in solidarity with all those who are suffering because of this sin and death. And so even as Jesus is crying out, it's still a yes. It's a yes of solidarity. A yes that says, I am with you even now, even in the pain, even in the sorrow. And the good news is that chapter 15 makes way for chapter 16. And that yes, that was the yes of agony on the cross transitions to a new yes in a new morning where the tomb that Jesus was laid in becomes a womb of new life as Jesus got up on that Sunday morning, went out of the tomb and into Galilee ahead of the disciples. And these powerful women who never gave up and were willing to have their expectations changed in a moment We're willing to be there no matter what, to hold all of the pain of the cross and to go through the pain of the failure of death only to be awakened to the startling terror of an angel and some good news that this is not the end of the story. That Jesus has gone before them and gone before us and out of the tomb into a new creative life of total renewal and regeneration. Where the world was created and then deconstructed and then recreated through one man. Now it is possible for us to join him again in this yes, fully restored. So no matter what we're going through, no matter what sin and death and difficulty that we are going through, there is a yes that goes before us. I love how 2 Corinthians uh, puts it in chapter 1, verse 20. It says, For no matter how many promises God has made, made, They are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. I once heard a kindergarten teacher say this, you can either prepare the road for the child or the child for the road. Our gospel story reveals that Our Heavenly Father has chosen the latter of those two choices. That what He has done is prepared us for whatever would come against us. This is the story of resurrection. 
Jesus from day one was cultivating resilient disciples who would one day learn that every time they get back up again and start adding their yes to God's yes again, that they are able to summon resurrected power that will bring new life into the world. And strangely enough, as they engage with the pressures of the world, they get promises like this one that will be true forever. This is the message version of Matthew 5, 3. It says, you are blessed when you are at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Wherever God rules, there is flourishing. Even if that rose has to grow through concrete, there will be flourishing if we are in the light of Christ. And so we come this morning to bask in the light of the resurrected Christ. And to say we are at the end of our rope, but that is in fact good news because it makes way more space for God to rule and reign in our lives. Even when things appear like they are going in the wrong direction, if we choose to add our yes to God's yes, we get promises like this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal glory far beyond comparison. So what are you doing with your yes this morning? Have you added your yes to God's yes? Have you added your whole heart and your being and energy and surrendered it to the rule and authority of God who simply wants to walk in the garden with you in all flourishing? But has taken into account that right now things look dark. But right where you expected things to fall apart is actually the place where new life begins to grow and spout out of the ground. My prayer is that as we come to the end of this gospel story that you will be encouraged to know that Jesus is ahead of you and whatever you are dealing with, and all you have to do is add your yes to his yes, and you will find the flourishing that has been promised here because Jesus' promise are always yes and amen. And the good news never ends. It goes on and on and on before us for all of eternity, and so we add our yes for all of eternity as well. I invite you this morning to add your yes to God's yes and let it take all of the dead places and bring them back to life. Let's pray together.
God, I pray that you would remind us and move in us and give us your resurrection power. Come to crucify the flesh so that we can see the new thing that you're trying to do in us. We thank you that you've gone ahead of us to show us the way. God, give us renewal in our personal lives, in our families, in our church, and in our community, even now. Surprise us and defy our expectations and increase our faith. In your precious and holy name we pray.